Film Fanatics. From the silver screen to your earphones. With Alan Azulay and Gal Balaban. Welcome back to Film Fanatics, where we talk about the movies that have us obsessed, excited, and inspired. I'm Gal. And I'm Alan. Uh, so today we have a very special interview with someone who loves movies as insanely as we do, actually. Uh, and then we'll be reviewing one of the most family-centric movies of the year. Yes, I am unfortunately talking about Fast X. <laughs> All right, so we'd like to welcome to the show a very special guest. Uh, our guest today is a film fanatic and content creator who's run the popular YouTube channel Sean, Ch- Sean Chandler Talks About since 2016. And according to one of his famous shirts, he talks movies too much. He's racked up 245,000 subscribers on his main channel where he ranks movies, franchises, characters, and directors and reviews the latest of film, TV, and news. Let's welcome to the show, Sean Chandler. Welcome, Sean. Hey! Thanks so much for having me. We're really excited to be talking to you. Um, I've been a follower follower of your channel, and we've had some friends in the movie world that have also like had you on and talked. And we're really glad to have you on Film Fanatics. I'm excited. Yeah, what you said. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming, Sean. So, Gal, uh, do you want uh, do you want me to start the interview, Sean? Yeah, we have some questions about your process, your channel, your space in which you grow your uh, your passion, your excitement of watching and sharing about movies and so on. So we have some questions for you. And don't worry, <laughs> then we'll talk about the best movie of the year. Uh, so hold your horses for that one. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, first of all, uh, we wanted to talk to you about what was the moment that you realized you wanted to like you know surround yourself with movies and TV and uh... not really. There's not really a moment that kind of defined like oh I'm a movie person now. Oh I love pop culture. It really was just kind of the way that my life just evolved. Yeah, I think some of my earliest distinct memories when I was seven years old. My family had moved from California to Texas and. This was summer 89, uh, was the summer after we moved, and we did a, a road trip back to California, and we just stopped at a theater in the middle of nowhere that had a balcony and everything, watched Star Trek V. And that same summer is the summer that Batman 89 came out, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And I just remember, that's the stuff that my childhood was just kind of like. That's Those are those distinct memories, and it all goes back to movies, pop culture, and then we were a big Star Trek family during the 90s. My sister and I rode our bikes to the comic store that was several miles away, and so it's just kind of, that's just what we did. Like, I don't even know who got us into Star Trek. I don't know, <laughs> was it my sister, was it my mother? I don't really know. I just remember that was a thing that very early on was just kind of there, and... By the time I was in high school, started to form some of my own flavor and taste for things. And uh, Jackie Chan was starting to transition over to Hollywood and they dubbed his movies into English, his uh, Hong Kong films into English. And so I was like, who is this guy? And it was this brand new flavor of action with these long takes and the actors doing these insane stunts. And I was like, this is so cool. And so got super into Jackie Chan, was always into Star Wars. And so in the late 90s, I had a Jackie Chan fan web page. I was doing some stuff with Star Wars on the internet. So there wasn't like a moment. It's just kind of always there. And then it, it evolved. And then finally, my little hobby, you know, clicked and turned into something more than that. Oh, sure. Of course. Actually, I was thinking when you said, oh, there's not really a moment. I was like, oh, God, 
the sensor's not going to go anywhere. But then you're just, <laughs> you just answered exactly what... You said the best thing. Exactly no, there's not a moment. <laughs> <laughs> what you said about Jackie Chan is kind of what like John Wick and The Matrix did for me. Like, he, right. like the Keanu was that for my generation. Right. And, and you think through what are those movies where you just see this thing. You've seen hundreds of movies. You've seen thousands of movies. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow. That was so fun. That was so fresh. Was, I haven't seen it like that before. And it just opens your eyes to everything you can do with movies. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. Actually, like you said about uh, Batman uh, 89, I think that's actually what uh, Begins was for me um, when I was like uh, 10-ish, I think, 11, 12. I, I have no idea. Uh, that's when that movie hit the screens and it was one of the first movies I went to see like and uh, it I, it completely changed everything, I guess. But I, like you, I didn't notice that it changed anything. Right. It was just after that. It was, it was just, just a start. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you kind of discover this new thing, and in the moment you're just watching a cool movie, but you look back, and you go, "That was it. That was the thing right there where everything changed." And it's neat the way that works. And you don't, you know, as all the great moments in life. You don't know that they're the great moments in your life a lot of times when they're happening. Until they become memories. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. One of the things that I think really stands out about your channel that I really enjoy is that you involve your family. Like you post about going to the movies with your kids or one of my favorite rankings that you did was you ranked your wife's favorite movies and then she ranked yours. Um, What is it like to be able to share your job and your passion uh, with your family? Like what special experiences come out of that or sharing your childhood favorites with your kids now? Talk a bit more about that. You know, sometimes it's, a lot of it's just kind of the extension of who I am, where I started the channel just because I I, I, I I say it all the time. It's the simplified version that I was talking way too much, so I started my channel. But that that's kind of who I am. It's just what I gravitate towards and I get excited about and the things that we're excited about we want to share with people. And so then when you have kids, you want to share what you love with them. And luckily, what I'm into is very accessible for children. And so it, it translates pretty well. But um, actually, a big helper for me in trying to get my kids into the things I'm into is Fortnite, of all things. Because uh, Fortnite knows the kids don't have money, but their parents do. So they do all these crossover events, and they've brought in like Terminator, Xenomorphs, and all these things that because my kids play Fortnite, they're like, oh, yeah, Ripley did this, and the Xenomorph did this. Like, what? You're eight. Why do you know what a xenomorph is? Oh, because in Fortnite they did this. Oh, well, thanks for doing me a solid, Fortnite. Now I don't have to convince them to be into Aliens and Terminator. You already got them into it just by bringing the skins over. I'm but, pretty sure um, John Wick's like a permanent character there. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, well, with this latest chapter, they changed the island. And in the previous two islands, they had John Wick's house. So that was my kid's... Like, point of reference is like, oh, that's John Wick's house. How do you know what John Wick's house is? What are you talking about? Uh, but so they know all this stuff about John Wick. They know what he looks like and everything. But they changed the island this season. So that's gone. That's not in the case anymore. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's it, it's cool that what I do for a living is also my hobby. And it's something that my kids can join in on. And that was always one of the things with the channel that I kind of wanted was I... I that could make me distinct is is me. Well, who am I? I love movies and I'm a family person. 
So then that flavor, I always wanted it to be a part of it. And I, I would have my wife on a lot more. I would do a lot more with my wife, but she just doesn't like to be on camera. So there's just been a couple things where she's like, I could do that. I, I'd be interested in that. The kids, they're much more interested in coming on to do do videos and everything like that. But uh, they're also, they're absolutely young. They're not, the, the amount to it, how much they can say about a movie that's interesting and useful for people is much smaller than perhaps when they're older. I don't older. think I could when I was eight. <laughs> Wait, there's a lot of coaching going on. All right, I'll talk. I'll talk to them for a while and set for several minutes. And you know, for five minutes of talking, they'll they'll say like three sentences, and I go, "That's the sentence right there. That that's that's it." Okay. And we do several takes of them, and they say <laughs> they say their opinion wrong. Like, no, what your opinion is? What I heard you say it before, son. Uh, so we work through it, and like. That's the, that's the one right there. And then so there, there's a lot of coaching a lot of times on some of these things to get them to say the sentence. But it's it's always talk through it and figure out what, what did pop out in their minds and try and help them find the way to say what they're feeling in a way that's concise, that's insightful, uh, but that it's not me feeding them lines. It's me trying to find their opinion in their very long set of things they say that it doesn't doesn't pop quite yet so in theory i'm helping guide them to be young movie reviewers at a young age it's kind of like filtering and ordering your train of thought basically exactly that's what it is um of and that's what you know with anyone you can do that everyone has interesting thoughts about movies if you talk long enough you you just don't know how to figure find them or maybe you're not the quickest to say them as the first thought but everyone has a feeling a thought that's that's interesting that's useful a perspective so if you sit down long enough with someone that can like the patience to pluck out the great stuff, everyone has something worth sharing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can't wait to indoctrinate my kids into loving Star Wars. Like that's <laughs> honestly one of my one of my dreams. <laughs> now, now, of course, now the tricky part though is you might indoctrinate them into your dreams, but they'll pick up a lot of times on the wrong things. <laughs> so like with Star Wars, my son is super into Spider-Man 3 because he's into the Bully Maguire dance. And it's like, oh no, you you literally picked like the worst thing in all of these movies is your favorite thing because it's silly and he's young. And so he locked onto that when he loves Venom because Venom's immature and is an alien. So he loves that. And then like with Star Wars, anything with a helmet, he loves. You're telling me he's going to like... <laughs> when he hits uh, his head on the helmet... You're telling me he's gonna end up liking uh, like Attack of the Clones or something? I was gonna say that. Attack of the Clones is my son's favorite Star Wars. No, uh, Attack of the Clones and Rise of Skywalker. Those are his two. Those are his two. The two worst ones. And he locked in them. Uh, but the reasoning is simple. He likes characters with helmets. He likes things with guys flipping around. And so make a movie that's all about people with helmets. He loves it. And then... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then Rise of Skywalker, that's the first one he remembers seeing in the theater. Now, I'm sure, you know, when he gets to 13, it'll change, and then he's 18, it'll change again, and then it'll slightly adjust, you know, as he moves into mature adulthood. But, you know, it, it's fun that, that when they start to pick up on the things that you like, but they don't like it the same way that you like it. Uh, and you, you, you may, that's the, the hardest thing for me is... Wanting to share my passion, but also wanting to give them that freedom to, to discover your own thing. Back to Fortnite, my, um, a big thing, an interesting thing over the last six months or so is that my kids are really getting into anime. 
Dragon Ball Z was on ramp, and then Attack on Titan, uh, Naratu. Uh, they're, not, they're not really on Naratu yet, but they're like getting there. They were starting to get an Attack on Titan as much as we'll let them watch it. All that came from Fortnite. They did a big, gigantic Dragon Ball Z crossover six months ago with Kamehameha's and stuff like that. I've never watched Dragon Ball Z. I don't know anything about it. I'm not introducing my kid to it, but it was in Fortnite. And they had one episode free in the Fortnite app. And so my son started watching that. I was like, okay. And he comes up to me one day. He goes, hey, can I, um, can we get a subscription to Crunchyroll? Why do you even know what Crunchyroll is? You're 10 years old. Why do you, why do you know what that is? He goes, well, because there's more Dragon Ball Z on there. It's like, there's Dragon Ball Z on Hulu. We, you've got Hulu already. Just check it out. And so he's become obsessed with Dragon Ball Z. And then they started to do uh, a new Attack on Titan one. So he's getting into that. And none of that comes from me. Fortnite exposed him to this popular culture, a vein of culture that has nothing to do with me. And that's really fun because it, it is their continuation of my love for popular culture and nerdy things, but it's not my version of it. It's their version of it. And that that's fun. And hopefully it's going to bring me, like, I'm not into anime. I don't know much about anime and people have been recommending anime to me for as long as I've had a channel and an audience. And now it's my kids that are actually making that something I'm getting pulled into so i wanted to ask another thing uh you've branched off to your channel sean chandler plus which also has a couple thousand followers and um i guess you could say you could describe it better probably but it's like smaller scale or like nicher uh, titled videos in a way but you also have your patreon which you say is your inner circle what made you want to make those brands of content like distinguish between them well, Patreon is simple. Simple. I wanted a, an additional revenue stream, <laughs> so, so it's, it's a way to make more money. Um, and both of those things, it took me a long time to to figure out what can I do. Like, what's the unique value? Because with anything you do, uh, whether a podcast, YouTube channel, if you want it to grow, you have to offer value. You have to have something there that's actually not just serving me. Why? Well, I, I want Patreon so I can make money. It, I don't want a tip jar. I want to create a, a, an additional service that provides value. And so it took me several years to really figure out how can I do that with, with Patreon that just doesn't become a second studio producing a, th- a ton of content. Um, and so like with Patreon, what I realized was uh, when my t- channel took off, I've got tens of thousands, now hundreds of thousands of subscribers. If I do a live stream, there's if it's a bad one with no one in it, there's 100 people. A hundred people's a bad one. Sometimes it's 500. Sometimes I've had like a thousand in them. So you can't ever answer everybody's questions. So there's only so much access people can have to me. Uh, I, I can't go in the comment section all that much because it's I've reached the size where people leave a comment. They don't think they're I'm actually going to read it. And so then they write the meanest version or the angriest or the harshest version. And so then Patreon is a place where it, it's kind of, it's a club. It's the live streams have... 10, uh, the one this week, it was one of the biggest ones I've had, where it's like 30 people for a little while. And 30s, the, the, like, wow, 30 people are in here. That was a big number. And that means I can interact with everyone. I can get to know everyone. And they can feel like they're having a back and forth a little bit more. And, and it's kind of that. That's what the idea of Patreon was. I can provide a little bit more access to me to interact with people. And then on the top tier, I do like the video chat. So there's people I talk to 
like this every month with. And so we actually know each other really well and like, all right, let's talk about this next month. It's cool. It's like gets back to the root of why I started all of this. But it's like, how do you add value? How can you do something that's a new way to connect with people? And then same with Sean Chandler Plus, uh, a lot of that goes back to kind of YouTube strategy and trying to figure out how the algorithm works. But uh, my channel grew because I'm doing these big franchise rankings. But I don't only want to cover big franchises and big franchises aren't all that comes out. And so I just wanted a place to where I could talk about something without fearing that it'll jack up the algorithm or confuse the algorithm. So, you know, like this month, if I put out my ranking for the Marvel movies after Guardians of the Galaxy 3, pretty safe to safe bet it'll get 50,000 views or really pretty safe to get 100,000 and it did. But I put out a review of something like Sisu from last month. It's going to get under 10,000 views. I want to talk about Sisu because it's not the thing everybody knows about. It's a Finnish action movie. That's not nearly as high of exposure as, you know, Guardians 3, Marvel, Disney. So I put that on my main channel and it it, it got something like 7,000 views and it... um like was like <laughs> makes my videos spread out less. And so if I put that on a second channel, then it it just kind of provides a place for me to talk about it um, and do things like that. So that's kind of the strategy of like what are the videos that I want to talk about it, this is the thing I'm interested in, but that I don't want to compromise how much these bigger videos will do. That was the starting point. But where it's really found its stride over the last year is whenever I do live streams, whether on Patreon, whether we're, when I even join in on something like this, someone, if I discuss a topic that's interesting, which is a lot of its movie news, its editorial, its opinion-based things, I clip those out and make them videos over there. So I'm talking about way more topics and without needing to do a ton of complex editing, without needing to do a second recording session. And because they're live streams, it, it my personality comes out a lot more. It's a lot more of me than when I do, you know, my Fast and the Furious ranking that, that'll drop today um, in the day that we're recording this. Like that one, I had all these notes. I'm trying to say everything in a certain amount of time. It's like the certain rigidness to it versus I'm just talking about a t topic. You, you Something set me up, and I'm just going for it, talking about it. And um, that's kind of the, the big idea there. So main channel, you're going to get these slickly edited, mostly mainstream, big franchises, high profile. Second channel, the idea of having something that's a little bit more um, personal, live streams, more niche, things that maybe aren't going to be as popular, but I still want to talk about it. And then Patreon, the idea is access. It's just much more of a smaller community where we can get to know each other. Uh, to build on that, were there, are there any interactions that you've had with your Patreon fans or with other movie fans at the fan expos that you go to that have stuck out? Uh, I mean, just the, the general pattern is what stands out. And that's to say that uh, whenever I go to these, they're only the, the friendliest, kindest people. Whenever I do Patreon video chats, it's just people like me that love movies way too much. And it just sticks out every time. Because every day I go on Twitter and there's some psycho that's mad at me for something that's not real. Like they've made up a narrative and they're angry with me over that narrative. I go in the comment section and there's someone yelling at me because I've got Tokyo Drift at the bottom of my Fran uh, Fast and the Furious f ranking. Like 
my whole channel's built around, hey, my list isn't the right list, it's just my list, I'd love to see yours. And then, how dare you? This movie belongs in first place! <laughs> well, okay, it's the first on your list, but it's not on mine. Do you want me to lie to you? And just like that, that's what the comment section is. And every time I go to a fan expo, there's so many people. They're just excited to see me, excited to talk movies with me, take a picture. And a, a, another big one that happens at the fan expos is that like a 15 year old kid runs up to me and wants to talk about what I think is going to happen in Kang Dynasty. They want to take a picture, and then their parent pulls me aside and thanks me for. Uh, being being a good role model, uh, being a, a a YouTuber that doesn't drive them crazy, that they can play in their living room and the whole family can watch, or certain rankings, certain reviews, they're like, yeah, our whole family watches this. And just because I've kind of shared my past struggles in, in life, where I struggled with alcohol, and I've been pretty open about that on my channel, uh, that uh, because I do that, they they thank me. And a lot of times, it's I struggled with that. My husband, my wife struggled with that. And having a a role model, someone that is is doing well and talking openly about their faults, but also showing that our faults don't define us. Uh, they thank me for that all the time. And uh, like even with like the Patreon video chats, uh, there was one last summer I was in Denver for Denver Fan Expo, and one of my patrons lives out in Denver. And I was like, hey man, don't you live in Denver? He's like, yeah, I live in Denver. I'm going to be there. Instead of doing a video chat, why don't we meet up at Chick-fil-A? And so I just met up in person with him, and we like, you know, hung out for two hours talking movies. So it's it's... What? Well, he's on Patreon, so he's a guy that I video chatted with him before. So it wasn't like, like I knew who the guy was. I, I we we interacted multiple times over video chat, um, but you know, it wasn't like random guy like, hey, let's meet. Like, you just don't know, <laughs> you don't know what you're gonna get with that. Uh, but this like this guy I talked to before, and I was like, absolutely, let's meet up in person, and just talk. And so that's what we did. We met up at Chick Fil A. We we talked and for like two hours, and it was cool. And so that's the. Um, that's more the vibe. It's not like there's not like a specific one that stands out. There's it's just this general vibe of this is why I do this. This is because it's just these normal happy interactions. Uh, there, it, you, you guys are on. You've been on YouTube. You know how crazy, toxic, weird everything is. I'm, I'm even thinking like um, today I have to shoot my review for The Little Mermaid, and I'm kind of dreading it because no matter what I say, whichever direction I go, someone's gonna be mad at me. You're a woke idiot. You're you're a racist. Like it's gonna be what like what one side or the other is gonna be mad at me. Whatever I say about this movie, and there's also the potential that both sides will be mad at me over this movie because the internet is so weird. <laughs> I think that that's what probably is gonna happen. Uh, exactly. <laughs> like, but every time I talk to you guys, every time I talk to someone on Patreon, every time I meet people at fan expos. It's none of the crazy. They're just normal conversations that people that, you know, the internet, the anonymity, the, the barrier of technology brings out the wacky. Uh, so. so actually, it's good that you brought up uh, The Little Mermaid because I wanted to ask something um, along the lines of, like, the movies that you like or that you don't like as much as any, uh, anymore. Because I feel like ever since we started doing this, like, two, three years ago, something like that, um, my changes, sh uh, my uh taste in movies changed like dramatically like i used to be way more into like the big budget like marvel stuff and all that and now like i adore going to like this really like small movies and um you know uh stuff for like oscars but not even that and like international movies and all that so i wanted to know what was your journey like in that sense because i'm sure you also probably got like 
overstuffed with all these big movies and if that change happened to you as well yeah i think that's anyone that gets really into movies i think that's a journey that you kind of go on and there's ups and downs and backs and forths and all of it um but some there's normally some entry franchise that's very mainstream that makes you go oh movies are cool and fun and you start getting into them and then eventually a friend shows you something you see a trailer and go that's kind of interesting go check it out and it's so different from mainstream there's a, a there's a polish a shine professionalism to mainstream but it, there's a sameness that comes with professionalism and the slickness there's a vibe to it and then you see this indie film this foreign film and you're introduced to this fresh thing. Oh, that I like that. That's different. It doesn't taste the same as all this other stuff that's made for the broadest possible audience at the time of that movie's release. And so then you get into it and you start going down that rabbit hole and discover all this cool stuff. And then other phases of life, even as you get older and beyond that, you um, you want the, the dumb, mainstream, easy-to-digest films. Different phases of life you need and want different things. So, yeah, for like me, like I said, I was always kind of into to pop culture, movies, things like that. You know, so at the night throughout the 90s, a lot of Star Trek, anything real sci-fi action. I was always into that. Always liked martial arts films. So that's why when I mentioned before Jackie Chan came over, that was one of those journeys for me because it got me into Hong Kong cinema. So a lot of that was, of course, Jackie Chan. Uh, not as much Jet Li because they Jet Li did kind of the wire foo and I'm not as much into that outside of like the matrix that, but, but I did get into some of it. And then, um, uh, uh, and then uh, did I say John Woo? That was Jet Li does the wire food. John Woo with Chow Yun fat doing a bunch of these heroic bloodshed films and the, the killer better tomorrow, hard boiled. And just like, wow, these are such exciting action sequences. So that was kind of the first way where I discovered a new thing and went down this path and it was still action. Um, but it was a brand new flavor and all of that stuff transitioned over influenced the matrix influenced all kind of action movies throughout the early zeros and late late 90s and early zeros and i was kind of watching those movies from hong kong before that happened before it really took over on the mainstream i was an early adopter here in the united states uh, but then around the year 2000 graduate high school and a friend of mine started inviting me to the indie cinema or the art house theater and there's like this new movie that played backwards called memento from this director, he hadn't done anything big. His previous film only cost $8,000. His name is Christopher Nolan. So, and he takes me, and it was only playing at like one, two theaters in town, this small little one. He goes, oh, it'll blow your mind. You're like, it's trippy. So go see it. And I was like, holy cow, the movie played backwards. I didn't know you could do that with a movie. Wow, whoever this Christopher Nolan is, I think he might be up to something. This guy might have a future in this career. career. He might. He might. Maybe. He might. We'll, see Maybe. we'll see what happens. He's <laughs> very it, small it, still, so let's wait. Yes, exactly, exactly. And then uh, another movie came out called Made from uh, a like very kind of Tarantino-inspired, but with a very different flavor to it at the same time, by some guy named John Favreau. And I saw that movie and checked it out. And that once this John Favreau guy, I really like this movie. I bet he'll go off and he'll have a career for himself. And so I just saw another very movies. indie guy. Maybe he'll hit it someday. We're, we're rooting for him. Probably stay there in the indie scene. Probably won't go too mainstream or get too wacky with technology. So we'll see what comes of all of this. And so, but it was. It's, but you think like both of these guys, they put out a little movie that costs under two million dollars, three million dollars, like way less than ten million. Little film. 
in the year 2000-ish. And then from there, they get these bigger projects and they've become two of the biggest influences. One of them does in 2008, The Dark Knight. The other one does Iron Man. Both of same year. And you should stop and think. Like my formative, when I'm discovering there's movies that aren't mainstream, I discover these two guys and then they've dominated mainstream culture in these gigantic franchises for the last 15 years. But like there's all these kind of movies. Some of them were people that didn't take off, but I discovered at that point in time. And then, you know, it's like uh, um, you know, Donnie Darko came out and uh, a bunch of these kind of different films that, that weren't mainstream. So I had this whole phase where I was into all of that and like discovering Scorsese and watching Taxi Driver and then bought a book that had all these movies or read an article with 100 movies that Quentin Tarantino recommended. So I started going through the list, checking out all these kind of older films from the 70s. And it was like that. But jump forward, I get married. I have a job that's very stressful. So when I go to the movies and I'm 30 years old and stressed out out of my mind, I don't want to go to a complex exploration of the human experience. I want to go see Iron Man punch someone in the face with a metal glove. And then when you have kids, once again, your tastes change a little bit. No, yeah, I completely understand because uh, even though I just talked to you about like that experience for me, I feel like I'm going like back to that uh right now because i think i maybe went too deep <laughs> into the other side um and uh, now i just kind of want to like shut up my brain for a little bit like you said i, I also have like a stressful full-time job we're like in the final year of university yeah. so like everything is like a bit crazy so yeah like when you have like a little bit of time off why not watch like eight dudes uh, run their run their cars through space or some mm -hmm. shit. Right, like, exactly. It's fun. Exactly. <laughs> I really and I hope think I can keep that balance. Cause I'm 20 and I like both. <laughs> well, and and I, there's people. I get this criticism all the time of like, oh, you just watch big mainstream films. First off, that's not true. If all you see is me covering big mainstream films, that's because those are the only videos of mine you're clicking on. That's how the YouTube algorithm works. I'm covering a lot more stuff and smaller things and obscure things and doing videos specifically so I can cover smaller things and go to like Fantastic Fest where I'll watch 20 movies in a week in the theater and half of them won't even be released in theaters. They're just that small, that Indian won't. They're there to get distribution. But what people see is just the, the side of things that kind of drives my channel and they define me based off of that. And that, some of that's like, oh, all you've ever been is this. You made that story up. You don't know what I was doing in 2003. You weren't even born yet. Like, what do you, you don't know what I was doing. You don't know what I was watching even yesterday. And, and but they kind of invent kind of these stories based off of, they just see me ranking the Marvel movies a lot. Uh, and uh, why do you only cover comic book movies? I don't know how to respond to that because I don't. Why do you only watch comic book movies? I don't. That's <laughs> just false. Yeah, and people don't really understand, especially in your case, because you do this like full time. Like people don't really understand that like this is like your job. So like yeah, if I you talk about like a small movie, nobody's going to watch it. And then for that month, you might not get like as much as like you need to leave or something like that. And that's something that grownups can't really afford. And, and so like in the, the case of my channel for this year, my number one movie of the year right now is Air. The yeah. Ben Affleck. Oh, me, me ben too. Affleck. <laughs> it's a great, 
Awesome. A great feel-good movie. Just feel like, yeah, we don't have enough of those types of movies being made these days. So I loved it. Uh, it, it and I like, I saw it in the theater with my neighbor and that, cause like my wife couldn't go to the press screening. And as soon as it dropped on Amazon prime that night, I, I was like, we, you got let's watch, you got to watch this. Cause I was just so excited about it and she hadn't seen it. So I want to watch it with her. She didn't seem as impressed as I was, but, um, but like, I, like that was the movie this year. Like she hasn't seen Creed three and some of these other bigger mainstream movies. They're part of franchises that we've you know grown up watching together. The first movie that my wife and I saw after we got married or in the theater was Rocky Balboa. That was built into our honeymoon plan. Was I told her we have to go see Rocky Balboa before we go off to the exotic location? That's a real thing that happened. It's like there's a new Rocky movie. I have to go see it before she's and she's like that's cool. And that's how I knew I'd married the right person. But she hasn't seen Creed 3 yet. But I knew I wanted to watch Air. Anyway, where I'm going with this, my review for Air has under 10,000 views. And I understand for a lot of people, 10,000 views, with like 7,000, 8,000 views, that's a fantastic number. I don't want to diminish that. But you know, my review for Guardians Volume 3, my second favorite movie of the year, has like 60,000 views. And my ranking has uh, over 100,000 views. Air, seven or 8,000 views. And that's my most, like my favorite movie of the year. It stars all of these movie stars that people know, but it's not a big gigantic mainstream franchise. So I didn't get 10,000 views. And then that likewise, when people are like, all you ever do is what cover MCU films. Well, when I covered Guardians of the Galaxy, 50,000 on the review, over 100,000 on the ranking. I've got another ranking that's over 50,000. So it's like the combined amount of views from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is, is around 400, 500,000 views. My number of views from the movie Air, 7,000. <laughs> two movies I've watched two times. I've watched those movies the same amount of time, but the amount of exposure that people see me talking about them, wildly different. And I wish that my Air review did better. I, like, I want, that's, like, that's the movie that I want to tell people about. That's the movie that's interesting for me to tell them about. I don't need to tell you to go see Guardians of the Galaxy. You already know what it is. You already know if you're interested in seeing it. But Air, you probably don't know if it's good or not. That's more interesting for me to talk about it. Absolutely. That's what we like to cover as well here. Um, like, not just when we've watched Fast and Furious, F9, Fast X, etc., but something we've seen on apple or netflix that may qualify for the oscars etc or something like hidden gems and so on um with that we want to move on to a more fun part of the interview we wanted to ask you some movie related questions because we're all such movie fanatics here uh i wanted to ask on that subject you talked a bit about niche movies less mainstream what's a movie that you found yourself recommending a lot to your friends but not as many have seen but you love it so my go-to movie in that regard is the movie Warrior. And so it's almost kind of infamous on my channel of the movie that I've recommended. Of like, Oh, you got to go check out Warrior. But that, that predates YouTube. I, I discovered the movie not in the theater. I didn't see it in the theater. But right afterwards, I watched it. And I went, this movie's incredible. I love this. This, uh, this movie out Rocky's Rocky. This is awesome. And so like I worked at a church. And I was in it like... I don't think it's rated R, but it might be. I guess at least one F word in there. I would show it to the my youth group. I'd show it to my teenagers every year, and it like just because I thought I like wanted to like expose them to this movie. This like this predates YouTube, and that's my always my go to recommendation because it's just um, it, it's a movie that's a great. It does what all great 
sports movies do, which is um, it's really about the characters and the journey and the fights, the games, the matches are just a visual representation of what's going on in the inside of the characters. And the, the last hour of this movie is just nonstop massive payoff. So that, that's the one, if you don't know what it is, it's got Tom Hardy, Joel Edgerton, Nick Nolte in it. Uh, Frank Grillo's in it. Frank Grillo, this is the movie where I first saw Frank Grillo is, was in this movie, Warrior. Um, so I, I love that movie. And uh, almost actually coincidentally, uh, I've interviewed one composer in my lifetime. And coincidentally, it was the composer for this film, Mark Isham. And I was interviewing him from some, com something completely different. And while doing my research to prep for the interview about this other thing, I was like, Warrior? This guy did Warrior? And so I got to talk with him about scoring the movie. And you know, if, if you've seen the movie, it like crescendos in the last the last three minutes of the movie crescendos with a song and like got to talk with him about what that was and how it's it's not the studio version it's a live performance and how he expanded it and did all this stuff with it, it was really cool i actually love warrior i saw it also you have incredible taste in movies <laughs> thank you so much that means a lot Warrior, yes. Um, but it's a, I actually, it's a damn good movie. <laughs> we did a sports movies episode to coincide with Creed 3. We counted down our top 10 sports movies with each other, and I put Warrior at like number six or seven. Uh, it's definitely up there for me. You have chosen wisely. But it's a movie that um, I'm not even sure why it didn't take off because it's a like I. I've recommended it so many times on my channel, and I I, th I don't remember. Maybe it was when I put out my, you know, top twenty movies, something like that, about five years ago, four or five years ago. And every single day, every single day for three months, someone DM'd me. I checked out Warrior. You were right. I loved it. A and and I still get that very often. Anytime I mention Warrior, people will comment, "Hey, I watched it because of you, and I loved it." So I'm checking now. Like yep. it didn't even make all its money back nope. at the box office nope. back in 2011. Nick Nolte got nominated right. for the Oscar, which is awesome. Uh, so at least they knew what they were talking about. Well, yeah. if you want to watch yeah. Warrior, I, I think it's on HBO Max right now. I might be wrong, but I'm 80 percent sure that's. On HBO I will pull Max. up my app that my answers app. that question. Because <laughs> I think that's where I watched it last, and it wasn't a long time ago. It's a very real moment. My app right now says it is on Cinemax. That's what my my app is saying Cinemax. I don't know how true that is, but usually the app is pretty reliable. Pretty reliable. <laughs> Maybe I used VPN to like Brazil or something for HBO Max and it was there. Uh, anyway, a different question that I wanted to ask you, kind of actually linking to what we talked about about uh, about before about our changes our our, our um how our mood and uh how we're feeling towards some movies changes over time uh do you have a movie that you really disliked before or one that you really liked and now you can't stand or that you love now i don't know that i have anything that's love to hate uh anything that dramatic um i i think my tastes change pretty regularly I, I think there's a lot of movies that play great in the theater for me, but then leave no mark afterwards. That's something I, I really struggle with on my channel is that uh, I'll go see a movie, have so much fun watching a film, score it based off that, and then a week later I couldn't tell you a thing about the film. 
and that's the problem. If you if you love movies, if you love going to the movies, the experience of watching a film with a community of other film lovers, if you watch a movie in a specific environment that's just really cool, uh, if, if you go see like a Disney live action remake and you can take your daughters to it and they're just loving it, whether that's Belle or uh, and a, a couple of days from now, I'm going to a promo screening and I'm allowed to bring three guests. So I'm bringing my two daughters and then my, my daughter's best friend. So I'm going to take 10 girls under the age of 10 to see The Little Mermaid in the theater. Well, that's going to be an awesome experience. It doesn't mean it's going to be an awesome movie. I mean, I've already seen it, so I already know my thoughts on it. But, like, like that's going to be an awesome experience, whether the movie's good or bad. And so I struggle a lot with there's, there's movies that I watch them and that I do my initial ranking and I put them in one place jump forward a year to whatever it is and I'm doing the updated version of the ranking rewatch the film and I go I mean it's fine but I forgot everything about it and I mean the one that's on my mind is is F9 which I guess we'll talk about a little bit a lot of people hated that movie uh cuz it was too that, uh, yeah yeah cuz it, it was it was too dumb I, I for 20 years I've thought these movies are dumb so I go in just just expecting dumb and and i realized i saw i saw it two times in the theaters and that was two years ago and i was like all i remember is carzan car in space and really john cena is the uh, is is vin diesel's brother really um and, and, but that's all i can remember about the film like i had fun but I couldn't remember a single thing about the plot, so I rewatched it. And there's this whole other set of villains in the movie that are working with Jacob, the brother. And I was like, I don't remember any of this. I have not rewatched it in two years, so I would not be able to tell you. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And, and, and so that was for me one where I went, okay, like this, this played well in the theater because I went to see something dumb. And... Do dumb stuff to put a smile on my face. First movie is like, quote unquote, after COVID. So I think a lot of people were really excited just to be in the theater. Yeah. Right. Uh, it was actually the first movie that I think me and Gal watched together in a movie theater. Because we met, we met each other in COVID. So I, I think that might have been the first one we watched together. And I think we reviewed it on the We on definitely the reviewed it. And we did a whole like Fast and Furious retrospective. But I agree that sometimes I think the experience of... Like, if it's an anticipated movie, I'm like, okay, this is fun that I'm watching this movie that it's come out. Like, and then later I'm thinking, I wouldn't go back to watch that. Or the excitement you have that you're watching it doesn't hold up after. Like, I feel like I would be a lot less generous to something like Black Adam or Love and Thunder. You know, Black Adam, I dislike. Love and Thunder, I think, is okay. But I feel like I was excited more to see them in theaters because I had been waiting for them rather than would I revisit this months after. Well, and I like so, um, and that's the piece that I think I, I have a really difficult. I don't think I'm very good at estimating my feelings, how I'll, mo- I'll feel about the movie in the future at all. And I mean, another one kind of comes to mind because uh, uh, these are the things I've kind of been working on. But uh, like the the Lion King 2019, uh, Lion, Lion King was my my favorite animated film of all time, and the the press. The, the the press screening for it was at the the Bob Bullock IMAX here in Austin. And basically, Bob Bullock is this big, gigantic, fancy museum across the street from the University of Texas. So this is a true 
old school IMAX, insanely large screen that was designed to show these incredible IMAX documentaries. And that's where they did the press screening for The Lion King. And it's the only time that I, they've done a press screening at that location, at the, the, the best screen in Austin. And so in that environment, and I, and I went with a friend who he was leaving the next week to move to LA. And so we go and watch it in this incredible environment my favorite animated film of all time, huge gigantic screen. It was cool. And it like the, the technology was remarkable. And then jump forward, did I did I want to take my kids to go see it? No, I did not. Did I want to watch it at home? No, I did not. Is there anything that this thing has to offer for me besides that initial viewing on a gigantic IMAX screen? It does not. So with the Lion I, King yeah, remake. I completely agree. I went with my family uh, the, uh, when it came out. Again, on a huge IMAX screen. Uh, and I haven't watched it since 2019. Because, like, at that what? moment, it was fun. It was amazing, like, being in the theater and, like, you know, uh, like, kind of, like, sing not really singing along, but, like, in your head, like, singing along to, like, all the songs. Because, like, that's, like, my fa It was even my favorite, like, musical for, like, a, the longest time. So like, um, yeah, the experience was actually, was actually pretty good, but I have no interest in watching that again. I think if you I want to watch Lion King, I watch the original. Yeah, because you look back and it's like it's the same movie. You're like, I was with my grandma. It was nice. Visuals were nice. It was cool. And then I think back, like, why would I rewatch it if you have it's the original's shorter to the point. It's more charming. Yeah, it, and animated animals can emote, and photorealistic animals cannot. And so you just kind of immediately go, wow. You did it. What a technological wonder. Okay, cool. Let's move on. It's just, it has nothing to offer as a actual sit there and watch the entire movie. For There's zero rewatchability factor. Experience oh. frames it well. It's a museum movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right, perfect. Yeah. No, I completely understand. I, f I, think, I think I talked about this before on this channel, but I had an experience that I watched um, when Captain Marvel came out. I thought it was amazing because I watched it with my sister. Uh, my sister's only like yeah. a, a year younger than me. And it was the first uh, midnight screening uh, I ever went with her, right? Because she doesn't like this stuff as much as I do. Uh, yeah. But she was like, no, for Captain Marvel, I want to go. And I was like, okay, weird, but okay, uh, I'm into it. And I did like when we were there and we were sitting and it started, she said like that she was so excited because... Uh, it's a, like a Marvel superhero that's a girl. Like, that's, you know, that's a woman. And, like, that we all know that that wasn't that as normal before, right? Even in the, MCU, in the MCU, it took, like, 10 years for it to happen, which is kind of crazy if you think about it nowadays. But, like, just seeing it with her, I think, like, it kind of gives you that, like, mirage that, like... Because the experience was amazing, but not actually the movie. So I'm yeah. actually I'm actually warmer towards Captain Marvel than most people. It's not no, a great still, movie, but it's good. No, yeah, I still like it enough, but like definitely not as much as when yeah, I had yeah. that experience. And, and I have that a lot with the, the movies that I take my daughter to or daughters to. Uh, and they and they most any movie I would decide to take them specifically to, it plays so much better if you watch it as a family. Because if it's designed for them, if I want to take them to it, like I'm 41 years old. Like, <laughs> it's weird if I'm, when you're like, hey, like, super excited to watch a movie designed for nine-year-old girls. 
But if you watch it as a dad with his daughter, that's a cool moment. And that's even what I like, like some of the, you know, I have a lot of interactions with, um, here's one that comes to mind. The movie called uh, Playing With Fire came out like four years ago. John Cena, firefighter movie. It's lowbrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like, this is not great cinema. Definitely like playing to the lowest common denominator. But it's also overtly for elementary school age children. So I went to go see it with all my kids. And they had a ton of fun with it. My son's biggest complaint was, I thought there was going to be more firefighting in this movie. That like that was his issue with it. He's like, are they going to do more firefighting? Is like I don't I don't know, son. I didn't write the movie. I haven't seen it before. But watched it with them, so it's fun. And I go on the internet, and a bunch of twenty-five-year-old dudes went to go see it to review it for their YouTube channel. They're like, "This movie sucks. Worst movie of the year." It's like, yeah, yeah, right. Like, it's not like I. The twenty percent Rotten Tomatoes probably makes sense. This is not in any way um, great cinema. My kids didn't ask to like rewatch it at home. That should probably tell you also quite a bit. But these people are like, if you're 25 year old dude trying to dunk on a movie designed for eight year olds, right? It's it it wasn't designed to offer you anything at all. It is not trying to offer 25 year old that's getting into cinema that discovered that Martin Scorsese and Darren Aronofsky make more interesting films than playing with fire. Like it's not for you, and. Right, right, right. I think what happened is also a lot of us got, like, used to, like, the whole Pixar thing. When it's like, yeah, it's a movie for kids, but everyone loves And it's like, it has deep, uh, it, uh, it's deep, it has meaning and all that. And I think people just think that every movie for kids is going to be like that. Every, like, 25-year-old dude thinks right. like that. But that's not really how it works. Because, uh, first of all, it's super hard to make a movie like that that appeals that much to all these different types of people. And that's why Pixar is so special. Like, that's why they're legendary. That's why their reputation, like, the brand Pixar was so strong, and it's softening over the last few years. But there's so much trust there because for over 20 years, they were able to make great family entertainment that every kid loves and parents thought, that's a really good movie. That's hard to do. It's incredibly difficult, especially to have, do that for that long. It's a lot easier to make a movie, you know, with John Cena farting in a fire or whatever. <laughs> just aim just for kids. It's pretty easy to make a kid laugh. But making it something that's broadly accessible and enjoyable, that's so hard. That's why Pixar's special. Yeah, could, yeah. Exactly, and uh, maybe these 25-year-old dudes need to, like, find something else to do. <laughs> uh, and, 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 I, like, I, I don't like to just use the argument, well, it's not designed for you. Like, I, I posted my quick reaction to The Little Mermaid last week, and out of these two, like, why is a 41-year-old man watching The Little Mermaid? It's my because I can. It's my job. I'm a dad. Uh, so I, I don't like to just I don't mean to entirely be dismissive with that. But there is a side to it of you have to factor into some degree who the target audience is, that it's definitely not you, that you're watching it in the weirdest way possible, that you're a 25 year old dude sitting a bunch of bunch of kids watching to hate, like hate watching, playing with the fire. That's kind of weird. It's an odd thing to do. And I guess maybe like some of that, it felt like people 
looking for an easy thing to dunk on. Yeah, hey, well, this it's is actually... me giving <laughs> me giving Mario a negative review. Like, like some some of when you're like, it's 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 easy to dunk on John Cena fighting fires and like farting and like a diaper came off in the bubbles or whatever. Like, it's easy to dunk on it. It's easy to use it as a target to roast the movie, and it's fun to roast movies, and it's easier to be funny when you have a movie that's easy to roast. But also, you're three times the age of the per- target audience, and you're watching it not as a dad. You're watching it as like a cynical twenty-five-year-old. Exactly. <laughs> I will tell I you, know. this is slightly easier if you're not in the U.S. Because I, I grew, uh, I'm Brazilian. I grew up in Brazil, and now we live in Israel. So, like, when we go to watch these movies. It's usually at a sec- uh, at like one of the sessions that is uh, not dubbed, so it's only weird, uh, cynical adults watching it. So that <laughs> that makes it a lot less weird. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I think that re- that actually wraps up uh, quite nicely our interview uh, part of the show. Uh, I f- we I think we got to know you a lot better now, Sean. You guys ready to talk about family? The main event of, of today. Is Even though I feel like for. we've been talking about family actually a, a lot in this we're episode We're talking about already. family. <laughs> so Fast X. X is for 10, but it's technically the 11th if you count in Hobbs and Shaw. If you enjoyed Hobbs and Shaw and you count that as part of the franchise because it's technically in the continuity. And in this one, Dom's family is threatened because Dante Reyes, played by Jason Momoa, is coming after his family. He wants to torture him uh, he says his suffering is owed because his dad was killed in the events of fast five so it's the 10th movie uh can they still hold on to us can they surprise us can they entertain um can they stick to the memes you know that's that's what we're here for yeah uh the movie was also uh, it was directed by louis leterrier actually uh after vin diesel had a pretty public like uh, i guess falling out with um who was it? Was Justin Lane. Justin Lane? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so he quit when actually was already in production. So it's kind of a miracle that this, at least in my opinion, this movie holds up kind of as well as it does, considering change direction first first week of production. Uh, it stars also... Uh, it's also very telling about the filmmaking process <laughs> it's, for movies like this. That it's a it's a machine that uh, this is not a film that the director was controlling and had the strongest voice on it. Yeah, exactly. We, we all <laughs> see it that it's like Vin Diesel's franchise. He controls the story and all that. He controls um, his family. So uh, cast wise, I'm just gonna list you guys the cast here real quick. So it stars, of course, Vin Diesel as Dominic Toretto, Michelle Rodriguez. Jason Statham, Jordana Brewster, Ludacris, Tyrese Gibson, uh, and Adelie Emanuel, Trilista Ron. There's like so many people in this movie. Uh, Soon Kang, John Cena, Helen Mirren, Brie Larson, Scott Eastwood, Jason Momoa, as you said before, Alan Richardson, and uh, Daniela Melchior. And you forgot EGOT winner, Rita Moreno. <laughs> Rita Moreno. I skipped Rita Moreno. I'm sorry, Rita. As Abuelita Toretto. No, I love you. I love you, Rita. I'm sorry about that. Um... <laughs> So yeah, very, very small cast of very untalented people. Uh, what the hell are they all doing in a, in a Fast and Furious movie? I still have no idea. Um, uh, but yeah, let's uh, 
usually what we do here in the channel Shan, is that we all briefly go over like what we liked and then we just talk about it uh, it's not like really that structured when we talk about that the the movies so i guess i'll start because i have actually a, a surprisingly positive uh <laughs> such a turn of events review of this movie even though i hated fast nine and uh or whatever it was called was it called fast nine was f9 the fast saga oh my god i had to drag into this one because we wanted to see it like for the podcast but he was like i can't believe you took me to this i i i was bitching at gal for a solid hour after this movie just complaining uh (laughs) but interesting kind of the opposite happened in this one um i actually had a good time i had fun and I think mostly because of Jason Momoa, I I called him in my letterbox review like he was basically <laughs> playing, uh, playing gay Joker. Uh, and I would stand by that. And uh, <laughs> I, I loved every second of it. He was he was so fun to watch. Uh, so for me, I, I, on my channel, I use the phrase Taco Bell movies or cinematic junk food, cinematic fast food. The idea that this is not fine dining this is not designed to be a great meal but it's highly consumable it's the sort of thing that you just you love to eat while knowing this probably isn't good for me and this whole franchise is that for me and that's what it's always been and they've more and more embraced it uh, over the years of we're shameless in our efforts to entertain you cooking with lots of butter and sugar the stuff that's easy to taste good that's that's what these movies are kind of for me and so i I felt this movie was probably a, a good return to form of that five, six, seven in this franchise where I think it was kind of at its peak of being silly, but also not cars in space. There's melodrama, but it's not John Cena is Vin Diesel's brother. Um, and so I felt like this kind of dialed it back a little bit. You wouldn't call this movie grounded, but you also don't have cars swinging by cables. Um, and so it, it just brings it back a little bit and adds more and it like in Rome where he like hits the crane and it does the turn or he plays like whack-a-mole with the helicopters like there's there's absolutely over the top stuff but cars in space and like that he, he literally a car swings across a canyon flips like this 1000 times and they go whoa they're not even dizzy they're not even like dizzy not a scratch after flipping 11 i mean i'm not saying this movie's grounded but it's it's dialed back from cars in space like i said number seven has them driving between skyscrapers so this has been pretty wacky for a while but it brings it back to that version of wacky that version of wacky and then with a villain that's a little bit more personal with their motivation tying back to what many of us think is the best movie in the franchise just a lot of choices that i think went okay yeah this is this is a little bit better and i think even it's continuing the spy stuff and kind of in a way doubling down on the spy stuff by making that more integrated in the plot but not in a way that's like dominic toretto you are the greatest spy in the entire world therefore we need you to like 
He's a street racer. What are you talking about? Why, why do you think a street racer is the greatest spy in the world and is the best fighter in the world? Like, what are you talking about? And so it kind of dials back some of that stuff of sending them on missions to pick down like this piece of technology that'll change the world. Dial that back while still doubling down on the agency, which I think was a good way to like like pull those things together that's a bit more I'm not I don't know if reasonable is the right word but it just felt like it flowed a little bit better I want to read you guys something um this is an article from Vulture and it's written by Allison Wilmore and I'm just going to read you the headline and the subheadline it's uh, whoever whichever one of us editing it what it says fast x feels like a head injury and then at the bottom it says but I didn't hate it <laughs> which I think is hilarious but I'm a little bit I will engage with the dissenting opinion here, and you guys are going to hate me for this. I liked F9 more than Fast X. Um, uh, you disgust me. And it's not that it's not that it's a good film, F9, but I think I enjoyed the silliness in that one more. Because I think here, I really enjoyed the scene in Rome, but I felt like some of the action after, uh, I didn't feel the stakes or the the excitement in the action. I felt like um, none of the Tyrese ludicrous banner was as funny. And I felt like those story threads weren't going anywhere. Like John Cena, for example, his storyline, it was really good and they really improved on his character. Because then the other one, he's like, I want to kill Dom. And here he gets to be charming. He gets to be very like peacemaker-like. He gets to be John Cena. And that's really great to see. But I just felt like there wasn't excitement as to where the storylines were going. And I think for a lot of people, Jason Momoa elevated the movie. And for me, his dialogue just got really annoying. Like time after. I'm not saying he's better than Cena or even Charlize in Fast, in, in Fast 8. Um, I also thought her use here was kind of weird, but just like some of his dialogue was too much in a way. Cause he was all like, I, I he was disagree. just at an, at a, if, if we're ringing this like at a 10 or at an 11, he's at a 16. Like, I, I disagree. I think like, I think it worked. I understand your point, And I also think he was at a 16, but I think in a movie like this, there's a scene where he basically does like weekend and Bernie's with two guys, <laughs> and I fucking love that so much. <laughs> I like it was so stupid, but it was so funny. And and in, um, Jason Momoa like really delivers. And uh, and yeah, I think also uh, like Sean was saying, they harken back to the Fast Five a lot, which is also my favorite. It's probably the best. Partly yeah. because I'm Brazilian. Partly because it's actually the best. Uh, and um, I love seeing Rio. <laughs> and uh, then, um, but like like Shun said, I think having the villain be uh, personal and the stakes being personal, I think it's really what uh, worked for me. Because yeah, the last villain, John Cena, was personal, but the actual like what he was a lot actually of the doing. Is his whole just gobbledygook. Exactly. What he's actually doing was it wasn't really personal. It was like, oh, uh, I want to conquer the world or whatever. Yeah. Those are two like franchise worst right moments. Like they only say if he gets Ares, he'll reprogram the world order. And then later, Han's telling the story about the rogue agent, and then John Cena just comes in and during the conversation he says, "I was the rogue agent." He doesn't even say, "I brought Mister Nobody's plane now," as if he knows that they were talking about this story. I was the rogue agent. Like those are some <laughs> franchise worst moments there. 
And I love how we're saying that this one. And I, by the way, I agree with you, Sean, that this is like more grounded. Like maybe like in the franchise as a whole. And I love that what we think is grounded in this franchise is John Cena transforming a canoe into a plane and jumping out of a different plane. And we consider that to be slightly more grounded than what we've been getting lately. Or Dom playing whack-a-mole with a helicopter on other cars. He's such a good driver, he can figure out how to crash two helicopters into each other while they're lifting him off the ground. <laughs> physics, man, physics. It's all luck. Like they said in the last movie, we're invincible. It's all, it's all faith. We don't have anywhere to land the land the plane. We don't need to land. Just drops his car on two cars. The other cars explode, and he drives off of them, grounded. Like I, I could, I believe that the first draft of who said anything about landing of that line is, I don't have gravity, I have family. Like the meme of that. <laughs> I don't think they're greenleading a third one. I hope. I'm hoping like that the next one is actually the last one. And we can all go home. And like three years from now, they'll do one that like Dom son is grown up or whatever. <laughs> I think that's it. I'm sorry. Someone, someone is like, people have asked me like, what do you think would be a good, the satisfying conclusion to the finale? Do you want Dom to die? What, what do you think the finale? Like, like you don't want Dom to die because the you the same thing you didn't want brian to die like the idea that they go off and then they have peaceful lives but that the problem is when you have so many movies where it ends with then they go back to their normal lives and drink coronas at the house like when that's the end especially re-watching we realize how many of these movies end with them at a party drinking coronas <laughs> like <laughs> side We've seen Giselle come back. We've seen Han come back. How do we know Dom's not going to crawl out of the grave? Be like, I don't have... He literally said to to Helen Mirren, I don't care about dying. I care about family. So, but, yeah, This is the person that really dies. You wouldn't believe it anyway. Um, so I... If it was the last John one, Wick, I think we would believe it. But John it. Wick, you don't know. I think if it was like officially the last one, we would believe it. And I kind of want to see Vin's character die. Uh, that's because I mostly hate. What would kill him? What would give him a scratch? That I don't know. I, don't but know. I, I hate him. I hate seeing him mumbling on screen. Like I am. I I can't handle it anymore. Like I watch this movie for like everyone around him, not him. Um, but yeah, let let's see what's gonna happen. Like, uh, and who knows? Maybe we'll have you again next year to talk about the hopefully not part two, hopefully finale of this freaking movie the fast finale the last of the furious so um scores uh, out of 10 uh yeah scores out of 10 i forgot we did that <laughs> i i actually said my score when i filmed my review and then i went um and i cut it in editing because i just know how i've overstated my scores in the past because uh that thing i mentioned before so i haven't actually said publicly a score for this movie yet it would take like a f uh, at least a week or so for this to come out. Is that okay? <laughs> but I want to re. I, I need a year. I need to know what I feel about this movie in a year. Can you guys give me a time machine? That, do you have one of those? One of those? Okay, so w hopefully we'll have you again to talk about the next one, Can and then you give us this this grading when we're talking about the grading of the next one. So that so so Gal, tell us your uh, your rating. I'm sorry, it's a four out of ten for me. I'm like, 
<laughs> How dare you indeed? Okay, I know it's bad because y'all liked this more than F9, and I, on initial viewing at least, I haven't, I haven't really watched it all the way through since, but I gave F9 a 6 out of 10 initially. This one initially a 4 out of 10. Hobson Shaw is like 5 or 6. What? The Furious 7 is like 8. Fate of the Furious is like six or seven. This one's a four. I don't know, man. This is the one where I just didn't feel excitement watching it. The others at least felt like it was a good action comedy. Like it had a flow. Not not even good action comedy, but it flowed and it had the action and it had the comedy. This one it got a really tiring compared to the others for me. I disagree entirely for all the reasons we said throughout this episode. Uh, I would go actually a seven. Out of Damn, 10. What a turn of events cause because I was dreading seeing this movie. I had so much fun and that's all I care about anymore when going to the movies these days. It's all about how I feel and if I felt like I had a fun time, uh, it's a 7 out of 10 f- fun for me. Hey, I mean, so, that's a point of fast and nothing more. So yeah, and the last one I actually gave a 4, so I guess we switched. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know how to score these movies because they're so... I have so much fun with them in the theater. I'll I'll go way ahead of you. I will go... I don't know. I feel like any score I give it, I'll regret it in the future. And also oh, I know I'll regret mine, so go ahead. How about this? <laughs> so, uh, I'll go 8 out of 10. I'm going to go for it. But but it's, it's entertainment value. It's not... like That's that, that difference between... like In my reviews, I always have letters and numbers. And in theory... The numbers supposed to be a little bit more, or letters supposed to be a little bit more. The the overall quality, and then the, the numbers entertainment value. I don't know if I'm very good at actually having different enough scores there, but like it's it's of course dumb. I can't defend any of the logic of it. Every issue that you mentioned about, it, I went, yeah, that's true. But who cares? It was fun. Like <laughs> I had a good time in the theater. How dare you? How do I kick him out of his own stream? How do I do that? I there we go. Yeah! Yes! There we go. There we go. It's we only won. people that like Fast and Furious 10 now. <laughs> I went from incredible taste to requesting to get kicked out by my guest. Okay, so guys, um, Sean, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this was actually a, a blast. Uh, like, we were thinking we we're going to do this for like 40 minutes. We're here like for an hour and a half. Yeah, I, I never go short. I always talk way too long. That's that's classic me. That only happens when we really like our guests. Because, <laughs> uh, at least for me, I hate having this in my head for that long. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was a blast. Uh, where can people find you? Again, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, big one on YouTube. Sean Chandler Talks About is my main channel. There's also Sean Chandler Plus that has kind of... Sean Chandler Talks About is more like rankings or reviews of big things. Sean Chandler Plus is more kind of talking about editorials, movie news, things like that. On Twitter, my handle is Kirk Never Died, And on the Instagram, it's Sean Talks About. I didn't do that thing that responsible people do where your handles on everything are the same. So you have to like remember four yes. different ones for me. Remember he likes Star Trek for the for the Twitter one. Yes. yes. There you Star go. Trek Star reference. Trek people. Reference. What, does what does that mean? Star Trek. I got that. Kurt. Go, where it's can not people Kirk Lagerus from Tropic Thunder. Um, <laughs> it's not the Kirk from Tropic Thunder. You can find us at Film Fanatics Pod on Instagram, Film Fanatics at YouTube. Um, we are also on Spotify. We're also in Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, uh, and I think there's another one. I'm not sure. Uh, I probably should know. Go watch Shun stuff. You probably, if you're here, you probably already watched Shun stuff. But uh, uh, yeah, go watch him more uh, and uh, stay tuned. More to come soon. Thank you guys for watching.
Tchau.